morning, everybody. Good to have everybody here. And um, we had a soup fellowship last night at our church. And uh, wait, I'm getting all tangled up with this coat. You know, the only reason I use this thing is so you can record it. Because I normally, there we go. There we go. Um, cause normally I just shout and yell and everybody can hear me anyway. I'm not used to wires and sound things like that. And uh, obviously I'm like a child. I can't get the thing undone. Uh, but we had a soup fellowship last night and I want to thank everyone who helped organize that, helped come, brought soup. There was uh, so many different good soups and good desserts and uh, you, will, you will taste of the bounty of some of the desserts. We had leftover desserts. They will be out in the lobby right after the service and we promised to get you at least enough time for the New Village people to be able to get some and we have bagels too and then be able to come back into um, your business meeting. For the New Hope members, um, we just want to be able to at least get out of here by 1230 so that they can have their business meeting without distraction and uh, but there'll be all that stuff there. One of my favorite things about it, right, we're not just doing that in case you're not wondering or wondering what the philosophy of it all is. It's not just to feed you. It's to encourage fellowship. It's, in, it's to encourage togetherness. We've had enough time of being separated from everybody in the world. This is to promote togetherness and togetherness within the body of Christ because the rest of the world has different philosophies, runs by different things. Um, we want that unity in the fellowship of the believers. Now, remember in the book of Acts when it says, uh, that when the church is just getting established there and it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and the breaking of bread. So fellowship was a part of the church functioning. And um, so I always love encouraging it. I love when people, I think David and Stephanie stayed till like 2.30 last week just talking. I, and now you can't do that today. You have a business meeting. But um, I love when people stay talking. I think we were at the church until a little after 11 talking, fellowshipping. And so that's always a great time. So I want to encourage you for that. Also, let me put in your mind the, the outreach opportunities for the next two weeks. I know, I know that Brother David said, um, you know, said what it is, trunk or treat, and then the friend day. But we do want to encourage you to invite people come to that. We want to be able to share the gospel in a way um, that, that could be helpful and beneficial, and we're praying for their salvation. Even if you have no one else to invite, you can at the very least pray that God would do a work. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to, is this mine? I'm going to drink it anyway. Fuck, I wasn't sure. It's, it, I saw it not open, so I was like, well, then it's mine, because finders keepers, you know. If you have your Bible, Daniel chapter 3, um, this morning, Daniel chapter 3, and uh, <clears throat> Again, great music today. Thank you so much for all of that. And I'm having a blast. I, these last few weeks have been an absolute blast, I hope. Uh, and when I mean that, I don't mean from an entertainment standpoint. I mean joining the Lord. I, I mean the power of God. I mean the presence of God. I mean God doing a work. And um, just been such a delight and a privilege and an exciting thing. And um, just, we're just praying for God's will all around. But man, it's been a real good time. Let's pray, and then we'll get into Daniel chapter 3 um, this morning. Father, once again, we come to you, Father, needing your grace. Uh, I need your grace, Father. I need your, your grace every hour. And we're thankful, Lord, that we can submit to this truth that you know what's best. Father, we don't always understand it. We don't always agree with it. We don't always enjoy it. But we trust, <clears throat> or at least we ought to trust, that you know exactly and Father, that your, your choices are best. Lord, that, in other words, if we were God, we would choose everything that you have chosen because it's best. Lord, I pray that you'd comfort every heart in here who has come distressed, has come confused, has come burdensome, uh, full of burdens. 
Lord, that has come with um, heartache. And Father, for those that, that have a life of that, I pray that you give them comfort today. May the scriptures encourage and challenge and envelop us into your grace and to understand some things. Thank you that you're God and that we are not. And so, Father, I pray for your power now to be upon the word of God. I pray to be upon the hearing of each individual here, including myself, that we might hear from you exactly that which it is that we need. And for someone, Lord, who may not understand or know where their eternal life lies, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, now I ask for your blessing and your power to use a sinful man like me to be able to deliver the message of God. Thank you for the perfect word of God that we can look at. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a broken world, and I don't think I have to do any convincing of anybody that it is a broken world. And you may have had a terrible week. You may have had a terrible week two weeks ago. You may have had a terrible couple months. Someone you know may have had a terrible week. Uh, things happen, and, and, and bad things happen. And we might ask this question all the time. It's one of the number one questions that I get asked as a pastor. Why do good things happen to bad people? Now, understand this. It's a flawed question, but I understand the root of it. I understand the heart of it. Why is this happening? Why do, even, even if you boil it down to this, right? Forget all the bad things that happen in the world. I want to speak to the bad things that may happen to us. Because I think that we, most of us would understand there's a fundamental difference. If something happened bad to somebody who's living a life of criminal behavior and reckless abandonment and destruction and something bad happens, somewhere in our midst we can rationalize that, we can understand it, we can be okay with it. But what about when the most faithful of people suffer? What about when the most faithful of people struggle? What about when the most faithful of people go through the trials that absolutely shake their foundation? Why that? We boil it down to this. Why do obedient children of God sometimes still go through the fire? Can we do anything to change that? If you have ever been through the midst of a fire, when I use the word fire today, I'm using it metaphorically to portray a trial, a difficulty, a situation that has shooken you. That has, uh, and by the way, I make up whatever words and whatever tenses of words I feel like. So if you're sitting there and be like, that's not grammatically correct, I don't care. I make up words. All words are made up, right? I just don't know what rules to follow, so I make them up too. So if you're, if you're the part of the grammar police, I apologize. Just enjoy the ride. I don't know what comes out of my mouth half the time anyways. That's a true story. But when something happens that absolutely shakes us, and, and we're like lifting, like, wait a second, this is what we begin to wonder. Could I have done anything different? What steps could I have taken to have avoided this? Did I do something wrong? Are we the cause? Did I do something that brought me to this trial? Well, what could I have done to avoid it? Why did God allow it? How come? I don't understand why a good, here's the hard part, why a good God in heaven has allowed me to go through this. Or why a good God in heaven would allow them to go through this. Now it doesn't take you very long to fill in the blank with what this is. It is a broken world and there is heartache after heartache after heartache after heartache. And I don't even care if you bury your head in the sand and try to leave it there for a length of time 
The minute you poke your head out, there's the brokenness reminding you again and again and again. And we get tired of it and we don't understand it all the time. And it wears down on us and it, and it tries to get, we talked about this last week, Satan trying to get us to quit the enemy of the gospel, the enemy of God's work trying to get us to quit. And sometimes the trial that even God allows threatens us to feel like, well, if this is it, I don't want it with God. You think of the story of Job, one of the temptations that Job was going to face was whether or not he was going to continue to worship God when all these bad things were happening. Because if God's going to allow this, then I'll put my coins of worship in another machine. Because I don't need this. But Job never did that, did he? He was faithful. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And we might, on the outside, criticize that, oh, what a wretched wife he has. But in reality, we, we might even ask ourselves those same questions. Like, I'd just rather give up. I'd rather, I'd rather just turn my back on God and, 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 and understand why bad things are happening to me rather than not understanding it at all. And you might be plagued with those questions. And we, we understand this, right? Trials and fires are just a faction of this life. They, they're part of it. And the truth of the matter is that many times there are lessons that are in the fire that you can't learn outside of the fire. I'm not going to try to soften the fire for you today. I can't. One of the hardest things about being a pastor is listening to the stories and the struggles and the failures and the troubles having my own stories of failures and struggles and sin and, and brokenness as well, and being able to try to say, I uh, try to comfort somebody knowing you can't change circumstances. They are what they are. And for whatever reason, I felt the Lord impress upon this passage, which I've preached through before, but reminding ourselves of lessons that when we are in the fire, what to see. There are things that you can't learn unless you're in it. And there are lessons that we might not want to sign up for. We might not go to the back table and write our names on the list of voluntary trials, but they are what the sovereign God has allowed to happen. And so we go to Daniel chapter 3, and we find a situation very much like this. And you know this, this story. Uh, junior church children know this story secularists know this story but i want to draw out some lessons that can be learned and this is one of those ones you might want to write down things now there's no homework there's no quiz i'm just saying you will go through a trial it's been said that every one of us has either just recently got out of a trial is currently in a trial or is preparing to go into a trial right and so these are lessons to remind yourself of. And, and if our church has heard this before or heard these types of things, good, remind yourself because especially 2020, 2019 has taught us it isn't ever going away. There's trial after trial after trial. And I've said this before, when COVID came and all of those things and, and, and whatever else the world looks like now, that only has magnified the problems that already were. The world was broken long before that and now we just, boom, put more on it. So we come to Daniel chapter 3. Verse number 1, the context of this is the Babylonian captivity that Babylon, this, this pagan heathen nation, has captured by God's allowance. Right? God allowed it. God only, not only allowed it, directed it. God directed that his children would be brought into captivity. And so all the able men and boys 
were taken from Israel and Jerusalem, and they were brought into the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar, who is not a God-fearing man at this point. And now he starts to build this statue. And, 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 we, and we know in Daniel chapter 1, he's starting to feed them all these things that would be a, a violation of their dietary codes and laws. And, and Daniel's threatened with, hey, eat this or die, and, and he's got to make a stand. Now he builds this statue, and he wants people who, of, of Israel to bow down to it. And they know, the Israelites know, no, we worship only God. Nevertheless, verse number 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was threescore cubits and breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So the, here's the statue. He starts building it up. It's made of all gold, and, and there's a size of it and such. Jump down to verse number 11. And here comes his edict. Here comes his command. And whosoever falls not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in the matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fire, burning fiery furnace. The, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So you know the story. These three men were put in charge of certain provinces in the Babylonian Empire as being future uh, leaders, being captive, but trained in Babylon now. And Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, I want everybody, when, I, when the instruments play, everyone bows down to this. Then the word comes back, there's three guys that you put in charge that aren't listening to you. They're not bowing down. And, and, and there's, a, there's a lot here, by the way, that if the Holy Spirit points it out in your heart, then take it, about not compromising our faith, no matter what the consequence is. There's going to be some in this generation here 
whether they're young or older, that very well may face something similar where if they compromise their faith or they compromise their faith, it'll be well. But if you don't, you might be killed for it. For example, I mean, we have a hard enough time getting people to go to church. But if there was an edict, if you go to church, you'll be arrested or killed. How many people would still go to church? There's lessons about that. That's not the context in which we're looking at today. But by all means, if the Holy Spirit strengthens your heart to say, bless God, if, if it will be consequential, I'll still worship the Lord. If God takes away everything in this world, or this world threatens me, I'll still worship the Lord. Then so be it. Let that be the application for you. But what I want to look at is this idea that here are three faithful men who are doing the right thing. And yet they're facing the consequence of punishment. So there they are, and, and, and they have this manner where the, the king says, if you will just repent of your faithful ways, and you will bow down, then you will not be thrown into the furnace. But if you don't, we're throwing you right in. And the men said, we're not careful to answer you. We know our answer. Our answer is, I'm sorry, we're not bowing down. And they say this, they say this. Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down. And of course, he flips out Nebuchadnezzar, and he, and he commands that the furnace be turned on seven times hotter than it normally is. And this was not like a little furnace down in a boiler room. This is an entire room where they would burn things, and that heat would go to the different ventilation systems that they had in ancient Babylon. Um, and so they, they turn it up. The fire is roasting hot. They open the door. They, they get the strongest men of the army. They tie up the men, right? So these men are going in tied up with all their clothes on, all their clothes on tied up by the strongest men of the army, and when they open that door to throw the men in, they all burn up. That's how hot the furnace is. But here's what we got so far. That furnace door opened up, and the men got thrown in, and God allowed it. That's where we are. doesn't matter the end of the story. Because you don't get to see the end of the story before the story happens in your life. You get thrown into the fire sometimes, and you don't know when the fire is done. You don't know when it's over. You don't know how it's going to all turn out. You just know you're in it. And sometimes when you're in it, you start thinking it'll never be done. Uh, it's over. And by the way, sometimes it's not over till you get to heaven. It means this, if you get sick, there's no guarantee God will eventually heal. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes good people, and I use good loosely, we're not, biblically there is, no, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? We understand that. What I'm saying is obedient, faithful families go through trials that don't have earthly reconciliation and solution. That means sometimes children die. Sometimes good people suffer. Sometimes this world cuts them to shreds and God allows it. And the only, only relief is when God takes them to heaven. And there's a whole bunch of examples of what that might be like, and I don't need to get through all the examples. All I'm saying is that sometimes the trial is so hot that there is no end. But I'm saying we know the end of this story. And we say it has a happy ending. 
But we don't know if there'll be a happy ending when we're in the fire. We hope, we pray that it will be. We do know that if we're a believer, the happy ending is for sure in heaven when all pain shall be wiped away and the tears shall be wiped away. But while here on earth, I mean, it, there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear about or am confronted with somebody's fire that they're in. And I, am a su I have one of those super empathetic mentalities where I take on the pain of whoever's in pain and it can be overwhelming. And I wouldn't want it differently because it helps me to be able to relate, but I will go home sometimes and be up all night because of someone else's fire. And I've been up all night for my own fires, fires that someone else caused me or fires I caused myself or others. But there's fires. So these boys are thrown in, tied up onto the ground. So I want to draw out some lessons from this very famous story that you might be helped when you're in the fire, whether there is a conclusive end or not, whether it is seven times hotter or just regular, whether it is basic or not, but in your brokenness and in your pain, hear the perspective of the Lord. So number one, some lessons can only be learned in the fire. So sometimes God doesn't deliver from the fire. Do you understand that? Some lessons, that's the only way you're going to learn what you're going to learn or the only way to teach what is needed to be taught and so it is not always god's will to deliver you from the fire i was um sitting in a service and i don't know if i shared this story with you guys or not but i was sitting in a service of a man whose son had died and i didn't know it i didn't know his son had died his four-year-old son had died of a brain tumor i didn't know it and everyone else there knew it. I didn't know it. And I was sitting there, and he was preaching, and he was telling the story about his son dying, and, and there's a lump in my throat, and, and my eye, and his name was Jason, his son's name is Josiah, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now? And I'm like trying to hide my eyes from everybody else who's like, well, they already knew, and I'm like dying. And here's what he said that really got me. He said, I looked for a ram caught in the thicket, and I found none. And he was referencing the story of Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham went on top of the mountain to kill his son. And by the way, the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 tells us that he was going to kill his son. And just figure God would raise him back from the dead. But as Abraham was going to drive that, that knife down, the angel caught his hand, pointed to a ram in the thicket, and we have this great story of deliverance and substitutionary atonement and Jehovah Jireh God provides. And his preacher said all the while that his son was diagnosed with this brain tumor and was waiting, waiting for the ram to be caught in the thicket. Okay, God, right? Time's over, right? It's done. I, I got it. I learned the lesson, right? But there wasn't ever a ram. Friend, I don't know. I don't know the answers. Life is not easy. It is painful. But some lessons can only be learned in the fire. So sometimes God doesn't deliver from the fire. What I mean by that also is sometimes God doesn't stop the fire from happening. We're going to talk about that in a minute. 
But you think about gold being refined, right? Gold going through a furnace and being refined, all the impurities being burned off. It's called, as we call it in, the, in Bible terms or in Christian terms, refining fire. And sometimes God knows that what you need is refinement. And He needs to burn off the impurities. He needs to allow you to go through a fire. We know the book of James says... Um, Count it all joy, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or diverse trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Count it joy, my friend, when it happens. Bible also says, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. But nobody ever wants the fire. So these three boys, they learned lessons of faith and deliverance and, per and perseverance and of the faithfulness of God, that God works all things together for good. And so what I want to say is, uh, 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 to you is that when you're in the fire, don't miss the lesson. If you're too busy playing a victim, too busy saying, woe is me, too busy saying this is not fair, too busy crying and lamenting the woes of why you got there, how you got there, you might very well miss the lesson and miss the blessing. Now, let's not pretend that that's easy. When it hurts, it hurts, and we want it to stop hurting. And when, when it's hurting, we're crying out for God to stop it. And we feel, we feel like we don't deserve this. We feel like this shouldn't be. We feel often like, hey, this is not fair. We have a good God in heaven. How come? How come? How come? So I'm not going to tell you that finding the lesson is easy when you're hurting. Because it's not. Especially if the things are out of your control. In coaching, we like to say control the controllables. But in trials, there aren't many controllables. But you know the one that does control, and sometimes we just have to submit to it and say, God, I don't know why and I don't know how, but please help me to find whatever it is I need to find. And by the way, sometimes it's not just about a lesson. There are always lessons to learn, but sometimes it wasn't just the objective for a lesson. Sometimes it was God's own purposes that we couldn't even calculate. What I'm saying here is there are lessons that can only be learned in the fire. Number two, God saves while I'm in the fire, not from it. That's a little bit what we just said, but I want to advance on that in a separate way. That God saves while I'm in the fire, not from it. The amazing thing would not be if these boys were kept from the fire. If when they opened that door, all of a sudden the fire went out and the door shut and the Red Sea collapsed. Or if Nebuchadnezzar tried to arrest these boys and they escaped and never, never found it and were never found or something. We might say that would be amazing. But the amazing thing isn't that God would save from the fire. The amazing thing is when God saves in the fire. Look at, look at what... Verse 22, again, 23 and 24, Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace was seemingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. Verse 24, And then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound? into the midst of the fire, they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. 
in the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And you know that. You knew that was coming. But what happened here is God did not save them from the fire. He showed up in the fire. And I want you to be well aware of that, that God allows you to go through this difficult time that shakes you to the core. And you might say, why didn't God prevent this from happening? But the reality is, He allowed it. But the reality is, He's in it. That is amazing. That is amazing grace. That is astonishing. And sometimes we're so concerned with the circumstances of the fire that we don't realize that God is in the fire with us doing amazing miracles. And that ties into what we just talked about. But, but sometimes we get so discouraged that God allowed this to happen that we miss God saving us in it, pers persevering us in it, being walking with us in it, sur surrounding us in it. The other thing I want you to consider is how many times has God already saved you from a fire that you never even saw? What I mean by that is God decided for you not to even see the fire so you didn't even know that he saved you from a fire. It means this, you got stuck at a light for the second cycle and somehow that prevented a car accident that was going to happen down the road that you'd be involved in but you never even knew that you were going to be involved in it and so you drove just, you know how many times God has done that and you don't know about it? Probably an incalculable amount of times. And then the time that God allows us to go through something, we start flipping out. There's a lesson there, but sometimes what God wants to see, you to see is the fourth man and him being in there with you and him being in there to deliver you, to be in there. Now, was it hot? I'm sh I don't know how it can't be hot. I know the fourth, and, I, and I, how fearful were those guys when those knots were being tightened? And they were thinking, God can deliver us, God can deliver us. Okay, it seems like he's not going to deliver us. And that fiery thing opened up, and those fires consumed the workers, the, the army soldiers, and not them, and they got thrown onto the ground, tied up still. They had, their heart had to be pounding. They were scared. They were afraid. Maybe they were second-guessing their decisions. Maybe they were wondering, why did I do this? Why did God allow this? We're being faithful. We're the only four. There's only four people, seemingly, in the whole kingdom of, of these Jews who have been captured that are being faithful, and we're the only ones being punished. Everybody else is bowed down and compromised. They should be punished. None of... I don't know what they were feeling, but I, I would have been scared to death. And then, before they knew it, in the fire, they were loosed, and there was another man. So lesson two is that God is in the fire with us. Lesson three, the fire doesn't necessarily mean that God is upset with you. Sometimes you do things that cause fires. We all do. Let's not pretend we don't. Let's not, look, you need to know this. I am a pastor who is a man who is a sinner who has caused a lot of hurt and fires in people's lives. 
Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not intentionally. That's the, that's the whole spectrum of life. Regretful things I wish I could take back. That's sinful life. So don't think I'm here perfect. Don't think I'm here n- not speaking to myself as well. But I do want you to know this. Not every fire means that God is upset with you. Because immediately our human logic says, if this happened, God must be mad. And we start thinking Greek mythology. Zeus would send down a lightning bolt to those he was upset with. No, no, friend. Not always. Sometimes God allows us for the purification. Sometimes God allows his most choice servants to suffer. Read through Hebrews 11. The hall of faith. All the different men there that suffered the end of life or suffering, though they were the most obedient in faith. Look at Fox's Book of Martyrs and and read about the disciples' supposed deaths and, and how they were the most faithful and how they died. The fire doesn't mean God is upset with you. And so many call out God wondering what they did wrong. Could I have done something different to avoid? What could I do better next time? And what people don't realize is that the furnace doesn't mean God is punishing you or that he's mad at you. These three men were the only ones that did what was right or the only ones that were recorded doing what was right, and they're the only threes being punished. Was God mad at them? Could they have avoided it? What could they have done better next time? The answer is nothing. No, no, nothing. Just because you're in a furnace does not mean that God rep- is dis- doesn't represent God's displeasure with you. So stop looking at what you did wrong because you might miss the other lessons and miss the other blessings. Sometimes the greatest of servants get afflicted by this world and God allows it and it makes your life difficult. Sometimes when God is most pleased with you, it results in the hottest fires. There's a struggle, right? If I serve God, my life gets more difficult, therefore I will not serve God. That's how some people rationalize it. Let's get this out of the way, right? This is fake church. Fake church says if you serve God, things will get better, so therefore serve God. That's false. Your eternal life gets secured when you get saved, and your spiritual life gets better when you're obedient, and there has a lot of blessings that go with that. But that doesn't mean your earthly circumstances always improve. If you're in the fire right now, it doesn't mean necessarily you did something wrong. And by the way, let me also say this. If you're on the outside of someone's fire, don't be like Job's friends who come on in and with comfort try to point out maybe it was your fault, maybe you did these three things wrong, and if you didn't do these three things, this this trial wouldn't have happened. It doesn't help anybody, and you don't know anyways. We like to be the judge, jury, and executioner of someone else's trials. I know why this happened to you. You would have just listened to me. Now, sometimes there's wisdom there, but it's probably bad timing. And often you have no idea either. Just be comfort to somebody in their trials. Encourage them. Bear one another's burdens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in the fire. Let me say this. Number four. Here's the fourth lesson. Sometimes the fire is God's compliment It's the opposite of displeasure. It's a compliment to be thrown in the fire. Uh, Jesus was suffered for us. And he said that some who follow me will suffer like me. Paul said that I may know him and, and, and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. 
when the disciples, right, they, the two disciples, it was, it was Peter and John, they were preaching the gospel, they were taken to prison, they were told, don't you dare preach this, this again. They went out and they preached it again. They were taken and they were beaten and whipped. And the Bible says, and they left rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer shame for his name. Friends, sometimes God allowing you to go through a trial is a compliment. It doesn't feel like it. And I know in our human, in our human mind, we might be thinking, well, thanks a lot, I don't need any more compliments. But sometimes it is God's compliment. Sometimes it is God saying this. You think of the story of Job, right? Why did Job go through a trial? Well, see, there's a lot of reasons, but there's seemingly this one. Satan and God were having a conversation. And God said, did you see my servant Job? He's really faithful. And Satan says, he's only faithful because you bless him. If you didn't bless him, he wouldn't be faithful. And God's like, I'll prove it to you. I'll take away all the blessings. He'll still serve me. Well, thanks a lot, God. But he allowed Job to go through that because of how faithful Job was. These three men went through the fire. And we look at them and they're heroes. They are. They're champions of faith, if you will. And God allowed them to go through it because they were the most faithful. Let me give you number five. We can't choose the effects of the fire. So just trust God and cling to God. The effects of Job's furnace and the effects of these three were very different. Job's furnace had to do with all of his children dying. All, and that's not recoverable in the earthly sense. They don't come back. It wasn't an Isaac thing. They all died and they stayed in that state. He lost all his wealth. He lost all his possessions. He lost his health. He lost the support of his wife. He lost all of this. These three men, their ropes burned off, and only their ropes burned off. They got up, and they walked around. Job lied down, scraping off the boils with glass. You can't choose the severity or the effects of the trial. So you have no other choice. Just cling to God. Each furnace may be distinct and different to anyone else and everyone else. And every, it may be different to every other one you've ever had. You're left no other choice. Just try. I'm going to trust God because what else am I going to do? I often say this when I'm, and by the way, these are the types of things if you and I were to sit down and talk about whatever trial you're going through, I would give you almost the same list here to help but one of the things i often tell people too when they're going through something i think of the story of the ship when the disciples are in it and and the storm comes and they're taking on water and the bible says literally they're in jeopardy and these are not novice nautical uh you know boatsmen they they are they are professional fishermen many of them or some of them and and they know what they're doing and they are nervous that they're going to die and they and jesus is asleep he's not even paying attention seemingly and they run over master carest not that we perish like you don't even care we're going to die what's wrong with you that's how they felt would they have been better off to just jump off the ship? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. You're going to be tempted in a trial to jump off the ship. You jump off the ship, you drown. 
You have no other choice but to trust in God. About three or four years ago, we went to Cedar Point, and Cedar Point is the roller coaster capital of the world. Nicky knows. And he, he's, he's the guy I always, always talk about. He's the, actually, he's the roller coaster expert. I just try to get my expertise from him, and, and, but we both love roller coasters. We went to Cedar Point, and Caleb was six at the time. And by peer pressure of his friends that were with us, got online to go on a roller coaster. And um, I was like, you sure? He's like, sure. I'm like, okay, my kids want to test their fears. And it was obviously one that he was tall enough for, but it was still over 200 feet high. And I'm thinking, I don't know if he knows. And he got on, and we went up, and he started to realize the severity of it. He started getting, he started crying. He, number one, he's not in control of the loops and the hoops and the drops. He's no longer in control of that. He had no choice, right? But had he had a choice, it would have been really foolish to jump off. Right? So what did he do? Because I'm sitting next to him. You, you know what happened. He turned to me, he grabbed my arm, and he buried his face in my arm for the duration of the entire coaster and lived to tell about it. What that is is exactly what you and I need to do we're in that trial. You can't choose whether it's going up, down, loop-de-loop, around, how fast, how slow. Don't unbuckle and jump off. Another time I'll tell you about the time I unbuckled on King Daka on the way up. That's for another day. He, but he buried his face in the Father. And he was still scared, and he was still crying, but he buried his face in the Father. When you're in your trial, bury your face in the Father because you have no other choice. You can't change what's going on, but you can choose to bury your face in the Father. Do that. Less complaining, less, you don't have to do it on your own. Bury your face in the Father. Let me give you number six. And number six is one of those ones that is very important and it's sometimes difficult <laughs> number four you may not see god in the fire but it's vital that others see god in your fire what happens here the boys are in the fire i don't know if at first they can see anything but guess who can see the fourth man nebuchadnezzar nebuchadnezzar Look at verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed nor the smell of fire had passed on them. The Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word 
and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their god so their own god therefore i make a decree that every people nation and language which spake anything amiss against the god of shevach meshach and abednego shall be cut into pieces and their house shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort then the king promoted shevach meshach and abednego in the province of babylon what changed nebuchadnezzar he saw god in their fire he saw God work in them, and it changed him. And he goes so much. I mean, he's an extreme guy, right? He got so mad they didn't bow down. He's like, put it up seven times. He's, he's kind of like erratic like that. Now that he sees that God delivered, he says, anyone who speaks bad about this man's God and this man's God and this man's God, anyone who speaks bad about Jehovah God, I'll cut him into pieces. The whole house will be made into a dunghill. Well, that's a little extreme, my friend. But that's how he is. But the point here is, Why? How did that happen? It happened because he saw the fourth man in the fire. You know why sometimes God allows you to go through what you go through? Not only to teach you a lesson, because there's somebody outside the window looking in that needs to see God work. And you're going to be the canvas in which God chooses to paint a masterpiece of work. Sometimes you don't see that. Do you know, friends, sometimes you, don't, you not giving up inspires that other guy not to give up. You want to, but you don't. Sometimes younger couples are looking at older couples, and yeah, they... No, but no couples, we all, we all have issues, we all fight, we all can find reasons to... Get rid of the other. Except my wife would never want to get rid of me. I know there's a much longer list of that than anything else. And it's true. But sometimes younger couples are looking at older couples and say, well, if they got through it, I can get through it. Sometimes younger church members are looking at older church members and say, well, because they didn't give up, I'm not going to give up. But guess what? The temptation to give up is still there even when we're older. Keep on. Let someone else see God. When we're in fire, we often say this, I don't see God working at all. What's worth it? It's not worth it. I don't see God working. And then there's somebody else on the outside saying, wow, how are you able to do it? You think, do what? Do it. Survive. Not surviving. I mean, I just saw God doing a work, and I hope that I can be like that when I'm ready to give up. And then you sit back and you say, what is he seeing? And what he sees is the fourth man in your fire. You just haven't seen it yet. He's always there. We can't always see it. But God is drawing other people's attention to it. No matter what it is. So you keep on keeping on. Because the testimony, that kind of testimony can change someone else's life. And in Nebuchadnezzar's life, who knows, right, where his faith is. But now he has faith in this God and says there's no other God, even in a polytheistic mindset that he has, no other God is like this God. But had the boys not gone through, thrown into the fire, no one sees it.
Remember, like I said before, God doesn't always let you see the end. So when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to get thrown in the fire, they're not thinking, well, God's revealed to us what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is we're not going to die, and Nebuchadnezzar is going to see the power of God. They don't get that promise. They get this. We do right, and it doesn't matter the consequences. If that means the fire, that means the fire. And it meant the fire. And they didn't know what God was going to do. They didn't know if they were going to die. They didn't. They didn't know if it would matter. It did. And here we are, thousands of years later, reading about it, being changed by it, being helped by their testimony. Hang in there. Other people see the fourth man in your fire. Even if you don't. Seventh and lastly, the fire reveals. What I mean by that is the fire quickly reveals who we truly are. In this case, they've already stated that they were willing to die just to do what's right. And if death meant death, fine. Because I'm still going to do right. I'm not bowing down. So we already knew who they were. They followed through. They didn't give up. They stayed faithful to God without complaint. And they were more than willing to go through the furnace. When we're faith, faced with a trial or in one, our character is quickly revealed. But I'll tell you this, sometimes we don't want to see what that looks like. When we're in the midst of a fire, I mean, when there's no fire, we walk in the church. How's it going? Bless you, bless you. Everything's great. We're awesome. This is fantastic. We're on top of the world. And when the fire comes, we don't want you to be fake. We don't want you to be like, oh, bless you, everything's great. No, it's okay to be real, friend. It's okay to just be like, I'm not having a good week. It's okay. Don't fake it. But here's what I want you to see. It's at that point when the joy of emotion has been taken that it starts to reveal if we really have faith or not. If God saved us from every fire, there would never be a call to faith. Because he sets the fire and he says, now trust me in it. See me in it. You'll hear me say this over and over again. If it were easy, it wouldn't be of faith. What God calls us to do in faith is often difficult, and a fire reveals it. So the guy who's like cheerfully fake because everything, you know, everything's going good, when God strips it away and they just give up, disappear, it revealed. When you're cheerful and you're excited and God strips it away, and you just drag yourself in here, and you say, I don't know what, I'm just going to trust God, the fire has revealed. Everybody looks the same in peaceful waters. But when the storm comes, it's revealed. This is not for prove to anybody anything. You don't have to prove your spirituality to anybody. You don't have to prove how you mourn. There's no, there's no timetable on that. How you grieve. Nobody can tell you how you should or shouldn't. But it reveals your faith in God. It reveals your character. It reveals if you're only serving God because of good things that happen. You know why a lot of people 
stop serving God? Because they started serving God with the thought that God will make my life circumstances great. And when that soon doesn't happen, they stop going to church and they say, man, life's gotten more difficult, so I give up. The fire revealed. We keep on keeping on. And it hurts. And sometimes it's mountaintop joy. Sometimes it's valley. Though I walk through the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. David was faced with mountaintops and he was faced with valleys. And he wanted to give up at times. But he kept on trucking. Because the fire reveals and it refines and it strengthens and it provides that, that furtherance. And you remember this about trials too. Before David fought Goliath, he had to fight a lion and a bear. Today's trials strengthen you for tomorrow's. So you don't fail tomorrow's trial. Or you don't weaken it. I wish I could be up here and I can, I can uh, just lie to everybody and tell everybody there'll never be trials if you're faithful and obedient. And if you love God, nothing bad will ever happen. And we can leave this place, sing Kumbaya, you'll have your best life tomorrow. You're getting a promotion this week and everything's going to be great and everybody you know that's sick will be healed and there'll be no heartbreaks. And there are churches that say that kind of nonsense and they're lying. They have no idea what they're talking about. I'm here to tell you this. It's hard. I look at this crowd and I'm reminded of a, a lot of your trials. And though I might not know exactly what you're going through, but I want you to know I know your trials. And I'm sorry you're going through them. And then as many of you I know are probably going through trials and I don't know. Hang in there, my friend. The fourth man's there. People are going to see it. And people are going to be changed by it. And God's going to change you in it. And he's not abandoned you. All things work together for good for them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. He knows what he's doing. He's God. If we were God, we would choose the same thing. Hang in there, my friend. Let this kind of permeate to you to give you the equipping of perspective to know what to do when a trial is coming or when you're in the midst of one. You hang in there. Let's bow your heads. Let's close your eyes. I feel like no matter how many times we go through the trials, messages and the reminders we got to go through them again and again and again, and it's not because you forget or, you, or you're, you're a failure. It's because they come, and, and it's so hard to see the truth of this while you're in it hurting. But I want to praise God for all the trials. I want to give thanks to Him for them. I may not feel thankful for them, but in everything, give thanks. If you're not in a trial, praise God, help carry someone else's burden. If you're in a trial... And we try to help carry yours. If you're just getting out of one, rest, my friend. Rest in the presence of the Almighty. Be strengthened. Drink from the springs of living water. And friend, if you're here today, know that God loves you and died for you. He died in your place. And without Him, there is no hope in eternal life. But he died in your place and he loves you. And today you can be saved. You can be born again. You can have all of your sins forgiven and know the heaven's your home. 
And though the message is not about salvation, but because we know God through salvation, He walks through with us in trials. Not always saving us from them, but always walking through them with us. Let me ask you a series of questions, if I could. If you're here today, I'm so thankful you are. Consider this question, if you can. No one's looking around. No one's supposed to be looking around. And this is just between you, me, and God. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. But I wonder if there's anybody here today who would say, Pastor Jason, if I were to die today, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you quietly raise your hand? If you're not sure you're going to heaven, please pray for me. Would you quietly raise your hand now that I might pray for you? Is there one like that here today? Don't, don't be shy. No one's looking. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Maybe you're here today and you would say this, Pastor Jason, right now, I'm in the midst of a trial. Would you please pray for me about that? Would you pray that God would strengthen me or my family or whoever's involved? I'm in the midst of a trial. And I'm acknowledging that today. Would you quietly raise your hand? I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Okay, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. Praise the Lord. God sees it, God knows it. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a difficulty. You're in the middle of a situation. You need prayer. Would you raise your hand? Health, maybe financial, maybe mental, maybe emotional. I see them. Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Praise God in it. Let's stand to our feet. Head bowed, eyes closed. If you're hurting, you might not see God in it, but I promise you he's there. The piano's going to play. You keep your head bowed, eyes closed. And I want to invite you to come forward and pray about whatever it is that God has put on your heart to pray about, whatever the struggle is, whatever the trial is. And by the way, when you step out of your seat, you can look. I had someone say, how am I supposed to go forward if I have to keep my eyes closed? No, no, you can look. But friend, if you need to pray about something, come pray about it. Come pray about it. You're going through a difficulty, come. If you're going through a struggle, come. If you feel lost and abandoned, come. You're hurting, it's okay. One of the things you ought to realize at church is you're not alone. Other people understand, have faced this, they can help you through it. Though they can help you identify where the fourth man is. He's not giving up on you. There's people praying. You wouldn't be alone. We're going to give them the time to talk to God and whatever burdens they are. You want to pray in your seat? You can. God hears you from there. But I like to always challenge and encourage people to step out of their seat and come pray. And I know this is familiar, and some of you may have heard things like this before. I want to remind us of it. It's what God put on our heart to look at today. And by the way, I know some trials that you are going through. I know some trials that you've gone through years ago that still hurt today. I know. The song is, Jesus doeth all things well. That's what the, that verse said. All the way my Savior leads me. I hate trials. I hate pain. I hate sadness. 
But it's what God allows to change us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for challenging us in this area, reminding us of a familiar passage, but Lord, just kind of drawing out some applications, some real life things, Lord, that may help us when we're in the midst of sadness, heartache, a trial. May it ground us, may it give us perspective, may it encourage us. And Father, may we always know that you're not alone, that we're not alone. And for those that raised their hand and said they're in the midst of a trial, Lord, I don't know the severity of it, I don't know the difficulties of it, but you certainly do. And Lord, I pray that you would just maneuver them through it, give them the wisdom and the guidance, give them comfort and peace, help them to know the lessons that are there and help the fourth man be seen by not only them, but by others on the outside. Where outsiders may wonder, how in the world are you able to stay so faithful amidst all the difficulties? And may that be a testimony that drives those people to faith, that draws them to you, Father, that may even draw them to salvation. Thank you, Lord, for using us as instruments for your grace, and thank you for the suffering that you face for our sins. Forgive us, Lord, when we act all kinds of bad ways, Lord, in the midst of a trial. Forgive us for being so fickle, so feeble, Lord. Forgive us for being so short-sighted and self-centered at times. And I know you, you know that we know that we're just but dust. We love you, Lord, for being an infinite, sovereign, almighty God. And we pray now that you would, just when we leave in, the, in a little while, that you would dismiss us with your blessing, give all kinds of wisdom to the business meeting, give uh, um, just blessings on the food and the fellowship. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.